Want a smoother contour and more youthful-looking cheeks? Rediscover a younger-looking you by adding volume to the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC, part of the number one selling collection of dermal fillers, based on January 2022 provider survey data. With help from Juvederm Voluma XC and a licensed specialist, you can achieve a more youthful cheek look completely customized for your goals. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. We've got a great guest today, uh, probably the best part of football uh, uh-huh. that we all look forward to. Um, but Aaron Andrews, you know, award-winning sports broadcaster, television host, uh, probably soon to be award-winning podcast host, which you guys are crushing it. Well done with you and uh, Carissa. Aww, thank you. And then, uh, how do I say it? Apparel icon? Because you guys are already Whoa. breaking records. Thanks. I appreciate I mean, all of this. I, I thank you. I'll have you uh, give an intro whenever I walk in the room any old day. I, I, I'm, I'm currently unemployed outside of the men's journal <laughs> thing. So I'll, I'll absolutely take that. And for the audience, you know, um, she was about 10 minutes late and then she comes in she's like, I'm, I'm sort of a big deal. I've got all these ad reads, <laughs> no. you know, if that's what you think of veterans and, and, you know, our, our, our sacrifice to, to protect freedoms. I mean, I'm offended. I should just walk. No, 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 no. I'm I'm so grateful for our veterans and anyone who has served our country. I can't tell you it's it's not a joke, but we joke about it. My girlfriend who is on the sidelines with me during football games, there's always, you know, uh, we clap for the heroes. There's a hero of the game. A lot of times during timeouts, there's, uh, you know, there's a surprise welcome home. Sometimes, oh my God, when I was at a Giants game, they uh, they gave a veteran who came home a dog and I lost it. I mean, I cried for all of this stuff. It just touches my heart so much. I am forever grateful for, you know, anyone who uh, fights for our country. And and I can't thank you guys for your sacrifice and your service. And yeah, it's always, <laughs> we always end up crying on the sidelines. And my girlfriend, Jillian, and I are like, I love a serviceman. Like, I just can't even handle it. I, hey, I, I just totally was pulling your leg there. But uh, have you no, ever seen I like know. the... The guys that jump into the stadiums? Yeah, all the time. Because they, a lot of times, well, they do. They come down right where I'm standing. And so they're there pregame kind of assessing the situation, yeah. checking it out. And that's when I'm, I'm there like four to five hours before the game. And so a lot of them are really great. And I, I'm, you know, I always walk by the, these men and women and thank them for their service. And they always ask for pictures and stuff. And so a lot of times they're coming down like right either before my hit or right after. And you're just, it's like, whoa, yeah, but it's really cool. I probably would be the guy that hits the uh, goalpost and yeah. then uh, <laughs> falls and, and breaks himself. Um, so, you know, those guys, those guys are badass. I always enjoy mm-hmm. watching them as well. Absolutely. Um, so, Aaron, um, one, you know, as we were preparing for this, I'm like, I can't name a sports broadcaster, a female sports broadcaster before Aaron, and I can't name one now. Uh, that may be my my limited uh, time that I, I spend watching, <laughs> you know, watching ESPN and Fox Sports News. But um, you've act- absolutely set the bar, the gold standard for 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 all all females trying to get into the uh, to the space. But, you know, for this podcast, you know, everyone's like, oh, ask her, you know, what message you would have for young ladies. I'm like, mm-hmm. what does it matter? Young ladies. I mean, she's achieved more success than 99.9% of men in the United States. Uh, Again, you know, we already read your accolades, but, you know, a lot of people never understand who you were before you reached this level. Take Mm -hmm. me back. Where were you born? Because I saw Maine, of all places. I grew up in Florida, almost Mm -hmm. were a Texan for 18 months, but you decided it wasn't for you. Yeah, that was my dad. He was calling the shots because I was a young kid. But um, yeah, I was born in Lewiston, Maine. And my dad was working for the CBS affiliate in Maine. And uh, 
we moved when I was five. Uh, don't remember much. Just remember it was cold. Remember certain Christmases and things like that. Had a brief stay, as you mentioned, in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, my dad was kind of trying to move up a bit in the uh, media world. And then we moved to Tampa, Florida when I was in second grade. I ended up going to high school, college. Uh, my first gig out of college was uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So stayed pretty close to home until really my second job out of school, which was then with Turner Broadcasting, where I worked for TBS, Turner with the Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Thrashers, kind of their college football coverage and all that. And that's when it kind of all just blew up and took off. We were just in Tampa interviewing uh, Dave Batista. Okay. Uh, that was my first time in Tampa. Gorgeous city. Gorgeous. Hot as hell too, huh? <laughs> Did Actually, your butt stick not. to the car like when you were when you were driving like the leather seats in the car when it's 100 degrees outside? And you're like, um, my rear end is stuck to the seat. So I actually feel bad because we were in my buddy's Audi, which is a, you know, two door low sure. riding car. But there yeah. was this rainstorm that came out of nowhere. Mm. And so the streets were like flooded. Yep. He tried to go through one of the large puddles and just kill the engine. And yep. uh, we had to have somebody come pick us up. And I've oh, got no. these. Oh, I, I had these uh, ostrich. Uh, Tacovis boots on, and mm -hmm. uh, there was no other way. Just wet right up to my shins. So uh. the boots made it. I'll I'll forever hold that against them. But uh, great yeah. city. Do you still have family there, or, or any? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom and dad still live there. My dad's recently retired. My mom's been retired for a bit. So, uh, yeah, they're still there holding it down. Uh, they were cheering for the Tampa Bay Lightning during the Stanley Cup finals. And uh, I'll be there a few times this year covering the Bucks. And yeah, so they're there telling good, me every good. day how hot it is. I, I can only imagine in Texas, uh, we, we would consider that their little violin. We, we, we've got some yeah, heat out true. here. Yeah, well. true. I'll I'm stop joking. it. Yeah, you're right. You're not, you're not wrong at all. So I, I know your father was in the space. What, what age did it hit you? Like, I'm, I'm doing what my dad does. Yeah, so I, that I wanted to pursue this career. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it wasn't weird for me to see my dad on the 6 o'clock or the 11 o'clock um, news. Actually, it was kind of our thing after my dad finished his uh, story on the 6 o'clock. We'd go meet him downtown and then go out to dinner because he'd have to stay there until the 11 and we'd have to go to bed. So um, <clears throat> very common to see my dad on TV and, and all that. So uh, my dad was is a great storyteller. And that was his way with being the firstborn, him telling me all about his teams and who he liked and who he didn't like and stories about them. And I just loved hearing how he would describe things because again, that's what he does for a living and he's so good at it. So, um, yeah, I just, I remember saying at a very young age, my dad thinks I was probably about like six or seven. I was watching the NBA on NBC and Hannah Storm was interviewing Charles Barkley, who is a good friend now. And, and one of my favorite interviews and people to even like text with or talk with, but she was interviewing him. And I just said, dad, I want to do this when I grow up. And his joke and line back to me was Aaron, everybody wants to do this when they grow up, <laughs> interview Charles Barkley and yuck it up and things like that. But it pretty much was besides being marine biologist, I was very into killer whales. I was very into, um, you know, anything uh, with dolphins or humpbacks, or I was very, very into marine animals. Um, I, I knew that's pretty much all I wanted to do was be a sports broadcaster. Marine biologist probably would have been a little bit of different schooling that I wouldn't have been good at. But um, yeah, I, there was really no op second option for me. Like kids were writing in my high school yearbooks, mm -hmm. see you on ESPN, um, you know, so that's that's kind of I, I didn't have another plan after that. Uh, hey, focused and determined. I love it. <laughs> when you went to the University of Florida, I know you had telecommunications as the major was. Yeah. I mean, were you laser focused? You knew when you exited the University of Florida, which I'm sure was a lot of fun. It was. Um, but I got down in four years. And I mean, that's I. if you ask my parents, that's probably a shock with the way it is, started. Is that like a, a shock for most Florida? Is it usually five years if you go to the University of Florida? Listen, getting into Florida now is so hard. I don't even uh, think I would get into that college now, but nothing to brag about. I was accepted in summer school because they said my grades or my SATs weren't that great. Um, my mom thinks it was like a way that they would finance their school 
their school. So they would have kids come early. Sure, mom, candy coated. I appreciate it. I wasn't the smart kid. So I went to summer school. It was called summer B and you only take two classes. I ended up having to drop one of the classes because my grades were so bad. And my dad, he just said to me, I'm going to let you drop this class. You know, I've paid for it and everything. Your grades are terrible, but you do it again. You're coming home and you're going to pay for your education after that. So, so you got to go to college early. I had to there. go to college early. Yes. That, that doesn't seem like a punishment. That seems like uh, you're getting out of the house uh, sooner rather than uh, later. It was actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. Think about it. You're there in the summer. Yeah. The sp- sports haven't started yet. All my friends are still at home. They weren't leaving for school yet. So I was going back and forth, you know, with the high school boyfriend every single weekend because they weren't leaving yet. And I was super bummed to be there. Probably wasn't studying as much as I should have been. Um, and then my dad threatened me and yeah, four years it took. She gone. The, the the power of sometimes what they say it's better to be feared rather than loved <laughs> yes, as, yes as a parent yes it's, it's a powerful motivator I, mm-hmm. I've always uh, believed that um, so once you leave what was it like to break in especially into the sports world as a woman so obviously this is a you know common question people ask all yeah. the time for me i was just so excited to get my first shot and i was so excited because once i did i started getting all these opportunities all these roles all these things presented to me i didn't have time to really worry about i was really the only one in the room i just wanted to do such a good to- job a lot of the times i was not even I don't want to say educated enough, but my first job out of college, I was the ringside reporter for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, who I love and adore so much because they gave me my first my first chance and the organization has been so wonderful to my family. Um, I wasn't ready for that gig. I wasn't well educated for that. I didn't know anything about hockey. I was coming from the University of Florida where SEC is life, baby. I mean, another thing, my dad, he didn't threaten me, but he was being honest where I was trying to find a job at a school. And my dad was like, hey, maybe you read more than just the Florida Gators section of the sports page. Like there's other teams you need to start learning about. And lo and behold, I got my first gig with the Tampa Bay Lightning and I didn't know crap about the NHL. I wouldn't know a penalty kill from a face-off to offsides to all the things, too many men on the ice. I mean, I was reading, I've said this before, you know, Cliff Notes, Hockey for Dummies the night before my interview. So I had zero experience. They wanted a young kid. They wanted a, you know, fresh face. They wanted a female. They wanted somebody who was homegrown. I was that. But the one thing that they didn't, I think they knew that what they were getting from me, I was going to work my ass off. And that's just something that stayed consistent throughout my entire career almost to the point where it's neurotic of how much I work and I care. Um, you know, my, my publicist who's on this right now, she knows I, I turned down an opportunity to do celebrity wheel of fortune, something I think I would kick ass in, but I got a preseason game that week. And I, I know I have interviews to do. And yes, I've done a ton of preseason games and it's preseason. It's not week 18, but it means a lot to me. And I want to study my ass off and I don't want to be, you know, telling Pat Sajak, you know, what, where, when, why, how of uh, this, you know, like puzzle here when I got Kyler Murray on line one. So there you go. <laughs> so, you know, this is a common theme. People probably naturally see you on TV and she's, they just think, oh, she's a natural. It just came easy to her. Yeah, I yeah. wish. I wish. I mean, first of all, I have such a insecurity and chip on my shoulder because I never played in the league. I wouldn't know what it's like to lead a team down the field. I wouldn't know what it's like to make a comeback. I wouldn't know what it's like to lose five straight. Um, but what I do know is that I've worked my rear end off. And because of that, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, they trust me. And yeah. uh, if they want to say, you know, any of the swear words or they want to call somebody out, they know I'm standing right there. They know I'm going to take care of them, but also report what I'm seeing and I'm hearing. And they also feel comfortable talking to me as well um, on the phone that week as we prepare for their game. So, um, yeah, it doesn't come easy at all. I wish it did. I, if it did, I wouldn't be giving up opportunities to be on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Uh, (laughs) I just feel like I really need to study. And I feel like every year I I have to get better at what I'm doing because I, you know, you always are worried about the next best thing coming and replacing you. But also I know I can get better in certain areas and I'm looking forward to that. Is it a point of pride as well? 
to, to yeah. show up to be your very best? It is. And I'm also really, really competitive, but it is, it, it is a point of pride. And, um, I think about the people that sit there and watch, and it's not just the fans that I want to do a great job for. It's the organizations. It's the general managers. It's the players that are watching. It's the coaches. I have such chest pains and feelings of guilt when I mess up. And I have messed up before where I have misquoted someone, not because I got I I thought I got the quote wrong. I just misspoke. I twisted two words. And it affected me the entire game. I ended up, you know, sending a ton of apologies. I felt terrible. I just, it means a lot to me to have the respect of the men and women that are a part of the NFL. And I don't want them to ever think for a minute I take it lightly. So th this is interesting. I got to ask you this one. Are you probably the only one that notices those small errors? My dad does. <laughs> <laughs> So he's still he's still critiquing you. He's still coaching and mentoring when 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 he's watching you. I'm so fortunate because he is able to watch every single football game that I do. Yeah. And um, the one game he wasn't able to watch, I was so just uh, preoccupied in my just thoughts because uh, a huge hurricane was coming for Tampa. They, I think the governor at that time had even called it the ground zero of this hurricane. And I was in Green Bay. It was week one. They were getting ready to play the Seahawks. And, you know, my mom was getting ready to go to a shelter. She was crying. She had just packed up our house and all our things and threw things in the dishwasher, like, you know, wrapped up in bubble wrap. And my dad had to go cover the story. And we were a wreck. I mean, there's four of us in our family and we were just a wreck. And here I am. I have a 345 kick and my dad's a Green Bay Packers fan. It's week one. Um, you know, during the national anthem, um, after the national anthem, Aaron Rodgers, he even knew, uh, you know, my dad covers, he knows my family and he walked over and just said, how's your dad? And I just, my eyes just like, just like filled with tears. And I was like, I don't know. And Joe Buck comes on the air and says, we're thinking about all those people in Tampa Bay, including Aaron's parents. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So that was like the first game ever my dad didn't get to watch because he was covering this hurricane. And then I think in the fourth quarter, he chimed in because I was like, Dad, don't use your, your cell phone battery, please. Because if you get stuck in a situation, I don't want your phone to die. And he was like, I'm in, I'm watching. Go, Pat, go. <laughs> so it was great. That's uh, that's awesome. So I, I'm assuming, you know, these relationships within the NFL and your fellow commentators and, and, mm -hmm. and broadcasters, it's almost like a tribe. It's a, it's a family. Yeah, it's a family. And it even is with players as well. I mean, you know, and, and coaches and, and people you've been around. I mean, you are with these guys, the players and the coaches and the organizations in their highest of highs and in their lowest of lows. And the fact that they're able to be candid with you and let you in means a lot to me as well. The people that I work with um, at Fox are, are exactly that. They're your tribe. I mean, I see them more than I see my husband or my family. I spend Christmas with them. I spend Thanksgiving with them. I mean, they've heard my stories of my cancer battle, my infertility struggles. Um, they know a lot. I mean, you go out for Friday night dinners and you throw back a couple glasses of wine and you're telling them all the things. <laughs> I get to hear about, you know, raising their kids and uh, their kids going away to college. People bring their wives on the road. You become close with them. You spend, you know, Super Bowls together. So yeah, they, they, that's your group. This, this is starting to sound a lot like the military, except we don't bring our yeah. wives on the road with us. Well, that's, that's a you no guys are actually like fighting for our country. We are providing entertainment. So believe me, I, I have a lot of perspective when it comes to what you guys do. I, you know, I appreciate that. We also had, even over there, a hell of a lot of fun, a hell of a lot of fun, great yeah. stories. So, I you, will you say, know, though, that is pretty cool. Whenever you talk to anyone involved in the military, they, you know, I, I, I try to just be, I show my, you know, compassion and, and, and how grateful I am for what you guys do and, and your sacrifice and so much. But it is really cool for them to hear like, Hey, you know, don't talk down about what you do because we needed that entertainment, you know, at times too. And you see that as well, like with the pandemic and people just turning on sports and just having a break from reality. Right. 
you literally just took the words from my mouth. We yeah. look forward to the small things mm-hmm. and it gives you perspectives of when, when the NFL comes on or college football, it was like we could tune out what was going on around us and yeah. focus on you guys. And for that, we were ever grateful. I, I do. I do remember I had a troop chief who was a fanatical San Francisco 49ers fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a mission coming up and he's like, Mikey. Don't don't make us go on this uh, mission because it was playoffs. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, don't do this to me. It, it, things ended up fall, falling through with the uh, the target package, so we got to stay back. But uh, I, I never let that one go. Aww. How about uh, I, I've got to ask this because you know coming out of the military is a, is a wild transition. It's it just sucks. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But Ugh. you know a lot of your broadcasters are prior you know prior athletes who have zero mm-hmm. training. Well, I wouldn't say zero. I'm sure they they get media training for, for right. their interviews, but, um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of them struggle. Do you act as a coach and mentor to, to some of the players as they retire and get picked up by the networks? You know, I have been fortunate with the men that I've worked with. They've been doing this for a long time, but yeah, there's guys that I'm in touch with a lot, um, that are recently retired or even thinking about this down the road. I think somebody like a Michael Strahan has made this something guys now, first of all, look at and they think, man, I better start planning for my future, which is what I know a lot of these, you know, future after sports, um, you know, what they try to drill into these guys' heads. But um, yeah, you know, I've had great talks with a lot of current players that are thinking about it. And you think that they know a lot about what you do because you're like, hey, you know, it's like every week, but they're not watching, they're playing. <laughs> so we were talking to one one big time player about, you know, potentially doing a studio role, which is what you see Michael, Terry, Howie, yes. uh, Jimmy do on our show. And he was like, well, I just want to do it for a big, big audience. So that's the game. And we said, no, 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 no. That's studio. Like you want to do, if you want your words, to, you know, what you're saying out there, that's studio because you're halftime for every big game. It's not just the game we're doing. It's all the games. And he goes, you guys don't do halftimes for all the different games. And uh, my buddy and I were there. We go, yeah, they do. <laughs> like You only know it because we do it for yours, but then we're doing it in Dallas. We're doing it in New York. But, um, you know, my husband is, is a, is a retired NHL player and he's on television as well. And, um, the only criticism or advice I give him is smile more because he has a gorgeous smile and, uh, it lights up a room, which is kind of funny. My dad is always telling me to smile a little bit, but my husband got it really, really easily. And he started doing in-game hits during the playoffs. He would do the studio uh, pregame intermission reports and post. But then for playoffs this year, they started using him in game, which is what I do. And I was like, shit, that was so good. <laughs> you nailed that. Um, so he picked it up really, really quickly. But you, you don't give him like, hey, that was really good, but you could fix this one little thing or or tweak this or... No, I mean, again, I tell him to smile. I tell him he's in a hard spot because he's reporting now on guys that he played with and you want to be careful. And and a lot of athletes after they retire have to deal with that. You people want to hear your honest assessment. You know, that was a, that was a shitty throw or that was a terrible pick. Uh, you want to hear guys say that, but also guys are don't a lot of times want to say those things. So I always try to tell them, just be honest about the guys, but you don't have to totally put them down. You know, if you think the defense played poorly, then say it, but offer perspective of how they could turn it around and what they're thinking about now after such a crappy defensive performance. I don't know. So I, I, as we're talking, I'm making this assumption that trust is the capital a broadcaster has with the players. And uh, is it once you, you destroy that trust, you're, you're, you're done with certain players. They won't talk to you. They won't give you the, the time of day. I think so. It is for me. And, and I've talked to, you know, two guys that I admire a lot and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick into kind of the reporters that, Hey, yeah, who, uh, what, um, kind of the reporters that they talk to a lot on a regular basis. Um, I know Melissa Stark is somebody that coach Belichick will sit down and do these interviews with, and they always come across so well. And um, I, Tom Brady and Jim Gray have a really, really uh, fantastic relationship. And I've asked both of them, what is it about Melissa? What is it about Jim Gray that you like? Because I want to learn to emulate that and be looked upon as they, you know, look at those two. And they both said that right away. I just trust them. 
I trust them. They're not going to burn me. And um, yeah, it, it's a huge thing. I could never imagine having the role that an Adam Schefter, a J, RJ Glazer has at Fox, who I think is the best at what he does. Um, they are there to report the news, whether it hurts your feelings or not, or, or whether they're going to, he's going to tell you you're done at the end of the year. You know, you're not, the team's not going to rehire you. They're going to fire you. So, um, I could never imagine having that role. I do not want that role. I love what I have, but yes, trust is, is unamas. Like it is the one thing. Yep. I, I love the fact that Aaron Andrews is looking at other broadcasters and, and, and pulling the things they do well. That one, that's, that's curiosity right there that probably keeps you sharp and always looking for the best practices. But the fact that somebody at your level is always looking at other broadcasters to see what they do well, that's, I've got to say, Aaron, that, that is admirable. And amongst all the high performers, and I've worked with some high performers in the, in the military, uh, the top of what they do, mm-hmm. curiosity was an attribute where those guys would, they wouldn't, it was in you thing. Humility as well to go up to somebody and say, hey, you do that well. How are you doing that? Or how can I do do it better? That's that's uh, that's amazing. So, well, I just I feel like, look, you're I mean, even Tom Brady, I mean, maybe he's not. And I don't even know. And maybe Aaron's not. But I'm thinking just every single year they have to kind of try to adjust how defenses are preparing for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even talked to Aaron Donald last year before the uh, NFC championship. And I just said, look, you're covered, you know, by three to four guys, usually every single game. How did, how in the heck do you even have success? And he was just talking about all the film that he watches and the preparation and how he has to try certain things to deal with all the protection and, and, and guys all over him. And I'm obviously not dealing with defenses, but, I, I guess the defense is a father time. And, and, and also for me, just, I don't want to get too complacent. Oh, here's one ready. I mean this, I'm obsessed with the Derek Jeter docuseries. I can't talk about it enough. It's like, it's, it's something if I like am, am doing a crappy job cleaning my kitchen, I'm like, what would Derek do? Competition eliminates complacency. Stop it. Like, I, and, and, and other broadcasters are my competition. And I, I, yeah, I mean, we are like a brotherhood, sisterhood. But if so-and-so, if a top athlete is like, well, I want to talk to her because she's better than talking to Aaron. That's competition. So what is she doing? What are they doing to get the Tom Brady's to say, I want to do my sit down with you? I got to find out. I love that, Derek Jeter. That, that is an amazing quote. And I'm going to steal that and trademark it. And I'm sure mm-hmm. Derek Jeter will come after me, but it's okay. I have no money. No, you know, he you won't. Know, become he after, gets it. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that is powerful. And it's, it's almost iron sharpens iron. So as one man sharpens another. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, you, when yeah. you are operating at the level you're operating, um, I'm sure you're sharpening uh, each other. But so is there a competition though? You, you, can you feel that competition amongst broadcasters and the younger generation coming up trying to sort of chip away at your, uh, your, your heels? <laughs> sure. I mean, and, but I like it. I, I get off on that. I you really thrive. do. And yeah, I, I love it. I, I, I want to see what other people are up to. I want to see who they're getting as a sit down interview. I want to see, you know, what stories, uh, so and so is telling them and, and how they attack per, even like, Stupid things like and it's not stupid, but even injury updates, right? Like we're on the field and we get upper body will be evaluated at the half. We'll let you know after that. I mean, you know how easy for me it is to say, well, Kevin, uh, so-and-so is being evaluated for an upper body injury. We'll have more details at the half. Like what, what in the hell did I just tell you? Okay, let's just say. What I should do is let me observe what happened, what I saw, what he said to the trainer, or I'm not really allowed to do that. So I shouldn't do that. What his vibe, what his mood was that they are going to update me after the half. This is come who is coming in for him. He hasn't played in X amount of games or he has, he struggled or he's done well. And that's just things I learned from like when Michelle Tafoya was working Sundays or Melissa Stark or mm-hmm. just how other sideline reporters kind of handle uh, any easy injury report. Do they add it? Are they easily getting in out of it? You know, like stuff like that. That just, I get off on that. How, how much of your prep is, I mean, you're just reading up on the players, their backgrounds, what's going on in their lives. I mean, is that, is that a big part of broadcasting as well as knowing the players sometimes better than they know themselves? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is for my job. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I say that all the time that I do feel like down on the field. I am, I am a private eye. Like I feel like I'm a spy. I feel like I am like part of the CIA because, you know, a lot of times the trainers, the coaches, the quarterbacks, they're pissed about a situation. Somebody's hurt. They're figuring out there's an equipment, uh, malfunction. And I have to sit there and it's it's good shit. It's stuff that the booth doesn't have. And it adds to the game. There was a situation when I was younger and I was covering college. It was a big West, uh, West Virginia game. And I'll never forget it. I think I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about how to handle the sidelines that game. Um, it, one of the star running backs of West Virginia, they were playing a huge matchup on Thursday night football and they needed to win the game and they were running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. And they needed to, they needed him to score. And all of a sudden he's off the field and he had a helmet malfunction. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, Fowler, his helmet's, you know, messed up da 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 they're still working on it while the play's happening and like people didn't know if he was hurt what was happening and, you know i just remember after the game are that sounds so stupid but i saw it right away and i like could add as soon as they're like why are you taking him out of the game what's going on his helmet's messed up so then we got shots of the equipment guy i'm like get the equipment guy he's running here they're doing this i i get off on that like i've got goosebumps right now and i'm just like that was something that was like 15, 20 years ago. But I remember Chris Fowler had said to me after the game, he was like, that is where you are at your most like valuable. Like we need you so badly for stuff because there wasn't even a break. I saw it happen right away. I saw him throw it. And I'm like, his equipment. Da, da, da. And you could give the viewer that I could give the guys in the booth right away. Cause then the backup running back came in and it's like, holy crap, are they not going to score? You see how I love this kind of stuff? Like, yes. it's just fun for me. <laughs> so, do, you, do you adrenaline dump after the game? Because it sounds like you're just. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so bad how many coffees I pump um, before the game. But like after we were talking about this the other day uh, with somebody, it's like we all are in the car coming home from the stadium. We're either going to the airport or we're going yeah. to the hotel. None of us talk because we're so tired. We're so exhausted. And, um, and, and a lot of times these car service people will turn the radio on. We're like, can you turn that off? Please turn that off. Like, I don't want to hear because also too, at that moment, I've got somebody in my ear as well. I hear program. I hear what you hear for the game. And then I have also my producer in my ear as well. And so, and then I'm trying to listen to what Tom Brady's saying to his offensive line or to Mike Evans or things like that, you know? So I literally have 15 voices in my head. So I'm exhausted. So, you know, Aaron, everyone would say you're a very personable person, you know, uh, you're very charismatic at the end of those games. uh, I know we talked about the adrenaline dump. Do you just need alone time? Do you need decompression time? Yeah. I mean, we talk about being in the car together as a group and with your team. Uh, we're all so quiet, like I said, but we all really end up going to the bar <laughs> at the end or we, you know, sit in the lobby together if the bar is not available and we all just kind of talk and we all talk about as a team, like you said, your tribe, what everybody did right. There's always something, no, none of us think we had a perfect performance. Um, you know, what we need to fix, what we need to do better. Ah, uh, crap. This graphic went on. The ref held it for too long. Dang. I messed up that injury report. So we all kind of download together as a team, which it, when you have a close group like we do, it's pretty cool because we're also there to lift each other up and be like, dude, come on. That wasn't your fault. Like people at home get what you're saying. So that's how you end up being really, really tight with our, our group. You know what we call that in the military, right? And we do that after right. every training. We call it the after action review. And so oh. after a combat mission or training, we yeah. come back and everyone talks about their performance, both the good and the bad. And, and you mm-hmm. can be very vulnerable. No one's going to be like, yeah, you really messed that up. Be like, hey, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. What did you learn from it? And what can we learn from the mistake you made so that we don't repeat that same mistake? That's right. It's one of the greatest individual and organizational development tools that any organization has. And, and what we found yeah. is the best the best high performers and high performing teams all do that, that same process. That is so encouraging to hear. We, you know, yeah. that's awesome. So let, let's get into the lighter side before we, uh, we, okay. we get deep, as we like to say. Um, so the podcast, you, you and Carissa, I mean, you, mm-hmm. I've listened to a few episodes. You guys get vulnerable. It's almost like no holds barred. There's no subject off limits. Like, where did that come about? Did you two come together or did somebody approach you guys to start that podcast? 
Yeah, we've been asked about it um, a couple of times and people just saying, you know, uh, you you both are pretty funny. You both are good friends. You both are go- have gone through a lot in your life. Um, and people only really hear from me 15 seconds during the game. And that's either about a groin injury or about a defense that needs to make an adjustment, you know? So uh, Carissa was always kind of about the fact that she's just like, listen, you're funnier than a lot of people like know or think. And it was during the pandemic. And she just said, let's try this. And and I agreed. And we, we wanted to call the podcast podcast. Well, everybody else has one. Why don't we? But I mean, that didn't fly. So yeah, we've stuck with it. And um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I've, I've, like I mentioned with you, I've been pretty open about infertility struggles and, and, and people reaching out and talking about that has been amazing. And Chris has dealt with, um, you know, going through divorce and, and putting herself back out there. And, and it's just like, Hey, guess what? We're just like everybody else. We, you know, we have nose hairs and, you know, going to the bathroom issues and and we have to travel for a living and talk to really good looking athletes. But this is what's really going on behind the scenes. I had a huge booger in my nose during that interview. And <laughs> so that's just where people kind of see the unglamorous side of like what they think we're all about, you know? Yeah. It's been fun. We, we need to see more of that though. And that that's awesome yeah. that you guys have the, the, <laughs> the, the sort of moral courage to put yourselves out there and be vulnerable with oh, that. Thank you. I've, you know, I've always got to wonder, do you pay attention to the, what I call the, keyboard crusaders, the ones that are so you know quick to throw comments on other people's lives uh, because they can yeah. do it anonymously behind a keyboard sitting in their home. Oh, yeah. I mean, in do, their mom's do you pay, basement. given what you do, do you pay attention to that or have you learned to just totally tune that out? Look, I've gone through some really public things in my life from being stalked yeah. to being in a major trial to, you know, it, it, just moving from college to the NFL. And yeah, early in my career, you know, I, I, I get it. My nose is big. I get it. My voice isn't the smoothest out there. And, um, you know, everybody has a critique. Everybody has something to say. And um, there's some days it can really get you. And then there's some days you like crack up about it and you do the Jimmy Fallon mean tweets, right? I've talked to so many athletes and I've, I've listened to what they've, you know, one athlete told me one time that you could have a stadium, you know, with a hundred thousand people cheering for you. And then you get off that field and you have one mean tweet and it ruins your whole day. And it's like, what the heck, you know, like, what does this person know? So candidly, there are some times after a couple glasses of wine, I see some of these tweets and I'm like, you know what I want to say? And then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, Oh my God, I hope I didn't do it. And I didn't, I showed restraint, but, um, yeah, you you try to take it with a grain of salt. I pretty much on game days won't look at what people have to say because that could ruin my day when, you know, you, you try to stand up there in front of how many millions of people and give this report and all that. So, um, everybody's a critic, but if they all could do it, they would. So I try to remember that. Aaron, I I do want to bring up one thing because, you know, one I know is a very, Tough, possibly dark time in your life is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're a cancer survivor. Um, when that news came, came forward, when, when the doc came to you with, I mean, what did that feel like? Yeah, I think. What's unfortunate for me now is I didn't really realize the repercussions it would have in my life. It has unfortunately had a lot to do with us having a baby. And I, I think at that time, very much. I, I'm obviously a very driven person. I, I found out week three of the season we had a Super Bowl. I was so worried about missing a game. I was like, I'm not missing a game. And my doctor at the time was like, well, that's not what I'm talking about. She's like, you have to get surgery. And I was like, mm, okay, but I'm not missing the Super Bowl. And then when they started talking about like how major the surgery was going to be and so forth, I still was so worried about being a part of football that year. Not because I didn't want to look weak or, uh, or uh, yeah, I just didn't. I work with a lot of men too. And the cancer that I had wasn't a cancer they could get. It was something that had to do with the female body and reproductive system and so forth. But I think the biggest thing was I just didn't want to miss time. And then, you know, the week that I was getting the cancer taken out was the week that Brett Favre, who I was raised to cheer for, was getting his name in the circle of honor, uh, the ring of honor at Lambeau. And it was against a young group led by Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, who were rookies. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm missing this game. I don't give a shit if I'm 48 hours off the table. I'm not missing this game. So my dad and my boyfriend, who's my husband now at the time, ended up coming to Lambeau because they were like, okay, I 
they just didn't trust me, which that's fine, but I wasn't missing the game. And then the unfortunate part about the whole thing is that we did learn before that game that uh, the cancer had spread. And so I was going to have to get a second uh a second surgery. And if that one didn't work out, then we were going to have to probably look into chemo and radiation and, and a hysterectomy and so forth. But thankfully we didn't. And I did have a second surgery and my oncologist who performed that one was amazing. And I basically looked at him when I was all milked up and, and being rolled in. And I said, okay, this is fourth in whatever. And you're Tom Brady and you have to kick this thing's ass. And he was like, I love you. I have no idea what that means and I'll do my best. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, it was, it sucked. I mean, I, but I just go into this mode where work is everything. And, um, I, I, I didn't really understand, I think how big the situation is now I do because I I'm seeing the consequences of it all, but, um, yeah, it was tough, but thankfully we got through it. Is is it work or is it your just God honest passion? Mm, I love that question. It's my passion. Yeah. I love it so much. You know, I, I have no doubt your family was pleading with you just to take a knee, but uh, I think you are living proof that uh, sports broadcasters do play hurt as well. Aww. And that's awesome. I, that, well, that's uh, you nice know. of you to say. In your mind, was there ever a doubt that you, were, you weren't going to beat this thing? Um, No, I just because no, I, I've been through so much already in my life that I was like, I'll, I'll, I've got this. It'll be OK. And, you know, like you said, I had an amazing support group. I had, you know, my family, my husband. I didn't really tell a lot of my friends, but the ones that knew were the ones that I knew that were the ones that could help me through it. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do that without them. That's that's amazing. So, you know, I want to I want to jump in before we get into the the final round of questions. But uh, you I mean, where is just rushing it in in the well, so funny. You should ask. This is a new crop top. We're going to be, uh, we have for all 32 teams in the NFL, but I am not biased. So I just wear the NFL one, but yeah, we've really evolved. We're so pumped about it. Well, I mean, the funny thing too, is when you look back, you're like, why hasn't anyone done this before? Especially with the female demographic. Cause Hey, I mean, it's not to say that women don't look sexy in a boxy Jersey, but why wouldn't they have a specific cut to them? That's, and did I see you guys are forecasting an 85% increase in sales? In 2022, you're damn straight. We are. Damn, yeah, think about that too. And I mean, that's another thing. Like, thank goodness for people and finding relief in sports because I mean, year two of where was in the middle was the first year of the pandemic. So it was like, oh my God, are we going to even have games? Are people even going to buy our stuff? And I think it was just a nice relief for them to be a part of that, wear their team's colors and, and look fashionable anywhere and everywhere, you know? Yeah, my wife is loving it. So thank you <laughs> uh, from the Sorelli family. Thank you. I, I've just got to ask, when is NASCAR coming into play? Oh, I, I I don't know. I could definitely ask what team does your wife root for? Oh, well, you know, she basically roots for anything. Uh, well, I, I got to tell you a quick story. The first time uh, I took her on a date, I flew her out to Colorado because I went to the University of Colorado Boulder for a short, short period of time before I enlisted in the Marine Corps. And we are wasted. And so I want to get her in some University awesome. of Colorado stuff. And uh, we're at the store in the the bottom of the stadium, which I know you've probably been to that stadium. And yeah. uh, they didn't have changing rooms. And so, uh, you know, she, she's like, hey, turn around, like, watch, watch out for me. Just whips her shirt off, puts the other shirt on. Of course, hey. I turn around to, to, to sneak a peek. And I'm basically oh, yeah. like, yeah, I'm marrying this woman. Uh, but so, you know, Boulder. And of course, we're, you know, we're Texas, UT. Uh, she's a Raider, unfortunately. Oh, great. I know. Oh, so. no, we have so much great stuff. I'll get your information and send her a goodie bag. We have uh, our stuff right now is so fantastic. And we do we do carry UT. Where, where, where do you predict that company is going to go? Just you're just going to continue to to rake in teams, different lines, or do you have a, a grander vision for it right now? Yeah, we have a big announcement coming actually in a couple weeks of another league that we are so excited to be a part of. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm pumped for that. But I just listen. I mean, I was reminded I just got a hard pass from somebody with another business venture. And I was super sad for a couple minutes because I remembered a Derek Jeter quote. He's like, he said in uh, his docuseries, he's a real told you so guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he remembers when people doubted him where they were, what they said, what they were wearing. 
And, uh, you know, when we were given a hard pass the other day on something we were selling, uh, my manager had just said, remember how many people had said no to wear. So I feel bad for them that they did. So I, where do I see it going? I, I knew there was a need for this. I knew there was an area that I knew there was a white space. I knew women wanted it. I also have such a different kind of not perspective, but vantage point with it all. I'm right there with the fans. I can touch them. I can feel them. I can see them. I can talk to them. So they know that that, you know, I'm selling them this stuff and they know they are always asking me what I'm wearing. And and it's just different from a big time uh, kind of manufacturer or label that isn't at the game. I'm at the game. So I can talk to them. I can see what their needs are. I can address those and and everything. So where would I like to see this go? I mean, I would like to see it as go as, as high up as it can. I mean, you know, like Kylie Jenner style, I don't know, the pink jet, whatever. Kylie Kylie Jenner has nothing on you unless we get her on the podcast (laughs) and we say the uh, opposite thing. Exactly. So do you ever step back to, to maybe realize like, I, you, well, I'm not diminishing it when I say this. I'm a sports broadcaster. I never played in the league, but I've had mm-hmm. sometimes more of an impact on sports than some of the players did. Have you have you ever mm-hmm. stepped back and, and realized that? No, because I don't really know if that's true. I, I don't know is. how much of an impact I've had. Oh, well, that's so nice of you to say. But I mean, I I do think for younger girls that want to pursue this as a passion or a reality or a dream or whatever. But um, I don't know. I work with some pretty damn talented beasts out there that just do incredible things with their bodies day in, day out to try to win. And I am not lacing up like they are. So, well, any any. Although some of my boots have great laces, you know, they do. The the gear is getting better (laughs) uh, with each year. You ever look back at like the 80s, 90s and just how bad the uh, the uniforms were? They were blocky. Now they're, you know, now they're very form fitting. Uh, I love when the guys are like wearing the half shirts and all that was great. That that was I did love that look. I did love that look. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, Aaron, we we end this with a, uh, a series of questions and they can be a little deep, um, but we do like to show vulnerability. I think one of the most human traits, you know, people want to say masculinity is vulnerability is you have to have the, the ability to be vulnerable in order to garner trust. And you, you do that well with your, your counterparts. So what is the biggest failure of your life and what did you learn from it? I would say my biggest failure but I know I can get better at it. And I know I freaking will if I get the opportunity again. I really sucked at being a studio host. And I got two opportunities in my career to do it with TBS and with Fox when I first signed on. Listen, being on the sidelines is my is my love. Uh, it's my passion. I like to be right there with the guys. It is hard on your life. It is hard on your body. It's, it's you know, I, being in the studio is, is, is a lot cozier and, and comfier than January in Green Bay. Um, I just, I feel like when I got the separ- second opportunity with Fox, I let my fear creep in early in my career that I had when I didn't do a not a great job with TBS. So I, I think that's right now professionally one of my biggest failures. But I I am certain that when I do get the opportunity again, I'll kick ass at it. I, I have no doubt you will. Biggest regret of your life. And don't say no regrets. That is the biggest bullshit answer that anyone can say. We all have regrets. And I know our failures determine or, or help define who we are, but biggest regret? I think it has to do with family. I mean, we're, we're really, really tight family, but there's just things I'm, I'm sad. I've had to miss out on because of my job and like, you know, like I don't get to have a Christmas anymore. And, and how many do you get to have those with your family? But the good news about mine is we celebrated on the 26th and 27th. Um, but yeah, I, that I am a person that my job has taken me away quite a bit. Uh, Funny enough, that is the biggest regret of my life. And I'm not trying to, I'm not saying that because you're on here. It's being deployed all those times and and hell, I was not there for the, you know, my kids growing up, uh, still, Mm. still haunts me to this, uh, to this day. Uh, yeah. especially with folks as they get older in, in their seventies is making right. it out to uh, the good yeah. old Bay area. That's to, where my emotion. Yeah. 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 So what are those one to three tenants that you live your life by those non-negotiables that have led to much of your uh, success, you know, discipline, hard work, th- those type of uh, tenants that the listeners can take and maybe implement into their lives. Be humble, be grateful, 
always treat everyone in the room like they are the most important person. There's a lot of athletes I've been around that does that, that, that do that. Uh, Derek Jeter is one of them. Tom Brady does that. I think that's what separates guys like that. Um, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, let's see what else. Um, I just, I, I swear by how much I prepare and, and study. And I also think too, and this may be the biggest one is that in a college professor said this to me, you have to love it because if you don't, it's just not going to work out. I mean, I live out of a suitcase. I've mentioned missing Christmas. I mentioned missing Thanksgiving. Um, I missed, you know, my husband's return to Los Angeles, you know, for, because I was going to cover the NFC championship. I've missed, I missed his Stanley cup party. Uh, what, you know, one of them, because I had to go to a Fox seminar. But um, you have to love your job because if you don't, it's just going to there's too many other things. It's just going to come out and, and, and just show that you don't. And there, there's so many sacrifices. Like we talked about our regrets of missing things. Yeah. I regret that I miss it or I have missed stuff, but I love it. My, what I do so much that it kind of helps balance it out a tad, if that makes sense. Probably not. It, it, it does. You, you know, especially given the current environment, so many people are unhappy with their current jobs. And, yeah. And, one, I will tell you, I will do whatever it takes to put food on the table for my family. If it's pushing yeah. a broom, you know what? I'm going to be the very best at pushing a broom to the point where people are like, send Mike, mm-hmm. he'll get the uh, the job done. I love that. And you said something about be prepared. Uh, we've all heard the phrase, fortune favors the bold. I think that's bullshit. Fortune favors the prepared. And that's that's what I've always seen. The, the battle is won before you even fight, much like those uh, those games in the NFL. I'm sure it's won before they even step on the uh in the field in on certain ways. Uh, Last one, when the time comes and you're looking back on your life, how will Aaron Andrews know that she lived a life of impact and purpose? How are you going to judge your life? And I know that's a tough one. I think I've learned a lot about this on this vacation. Well, not vacation, but we're, this isn't, you know, we're out here for like a month, but we're around a lot of families and we're trying to learn how to raise kids before we have them. And we're seeing the families that were really, uh, that do it the right way. And I think a way we'd like to emulate. And I think it's just seeing what we're able to just have and still and have and what our kids become. That's, I think what will do it for me. You know, that's, I mean, if you met my golden retriever, you'd already know I, he's perfect. So I, I, he's walked in and out a few times. Yeah. I was going to say, I just watched him. Uh, you heard him. Walked down the uh, stairs. Yeah. Walk, stairs with my husband. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I got to, that's probably one of the most common uh, answers we get is people say I they bet. look back at their family or their kids, but that's, yeah. that's where the impact happens. So, well, Aaron, I know you're on vacation, so I don't want to take oh, up any more really. time. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough for joining in and for all the listeners for just the gold you've been spitting out these, these nuggets that people can Aww. implement into their lives. Uh, you are, and I'll say it, an icon. Uh, again, we love watching you on the sidelines. Uh, again, from the military perspective, thank you for the entertainment you gave us while we were over there. And uh, hopefully we will see you again. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, guys. And this has been the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and pick up a new issue of Men's Journal Magazine. Men's Journal Magazine has features on health and fitness, adventure and travel, style, and my favorite, the coolest gear hitting the market today. Until next time, I'm Mike Sorelli, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.